Welcome to Becoming One Podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Sean Wilson. Hey, thank you for joining us on today's Becoming One Podcast. And I want to share something with you today on the topic of debate. I hear many times about we shouldn't debate the Bible. That's what a lot of people understand or come to understand. Um, and they, they generally just repeat this statement without doing any investigation in the text on their own. But I want to share something with you today. Um, first, I want to show you, according to the text, what does it tell us not to debate on? And then I want to give you an example of the apostles in a debate over teachings. And, and I want us to understand this because this is where we have become as a church, um, for some anyway, have become ignorant and oblivious to what it means to defend the faith. Um, defend the faith has to do with communicating a truth in opposition of a lie, which could present itself as being seen as a debate. I think a lot of things that can be handled uh, or clarified through effective communication and which the Bible teaches us about that we should have effective communication. Um, one of the things well, in Proverbs 18 and 13, it says he that answereth the matter before he hear it is a fool and shame unto him. We should be great listeners before we're great speakers. We should listen to what is being communicated, which means that sometimes we may have to ask questions to clarify things before we make a, make a statement. With that being said, I want to share this with you today. This is not about false teachers, although all of the warning signs are directed towards false teachers. But I want to start here in. I'm going to just start in first Timothy six and I'm going to start at verse two. And I want you to listen to what Paul is telling Timothy. And he's going to talk about some things here that are not warranted. And that's why I want to start with first. What the scripture says is not warranted. Um, it says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and teaching the teachings that are according to godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has a unhealthy carve craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil surmising and consist friction or constant friction among people who are deprived in the mind and deprived of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, what, what, what does this have to do with debate? Well, I want to first identify what we're not supposed to do. When it's talking about here, anyone that comes against the message. See, we're supposed to address when people come against the message. 
But when people start to focus on things that lead to speculation, which means it's not clear in the message, then they themselves are false teachers in a sense, because this is what the scripture communicates. Those that that will not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially when it pertains to the gospel message. The gospel message is about salvation, is about being born again, is about being a believer in Christ, is about justification, which comes by faith, right? It comes by grace through faith. We are justified. We are sanctified. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Those are the those are the doctrines of Christ. This is what he said. Anyone that when you believe you pass from death to life, that happens by way of the spirit. Matter of fact, he says you must be born again to be born again means it happens by the spirit. So as I as I talk about this today, I want us to understand there are things that we should not entertain when it comes to the scriptures. And as we continue to look through this, I'm going to show you some other things here. Like in first Timothy one and three, it says this, I'm going to start at one and three. I'm going to start at three. It says, I urge you when, when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines. See the doctrine and the teaching is important. And when people come up against the doctrine and the teaching, that must be take note. We must take note of that. So he says persons to, to teach anything, any doctrine, any to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths. So they had to keep the same doctrine. They weren't supposed to devote themselves to myths. What, what is a myth? When we want, when we look at what is a myth, that means that it's, it's something that is almost in a sense of a speculation, Right. When we talk about a myth, we can look at it in this sense. This is the sense that we can we can say. It means to basically like it's seen as these myths and the fables could be either stories um, that are either fictitious Jewish distortions. Or they could be Gnostic myths about creation. In any sense. They can't be proven with scripture. So they lead people to to um, talk about these things like it's like when a, when a person was to say something like this, I'm going to I'm not trying to be irreverent about the Bible or um, Adam, but I've heard people say was did Adam have a belly button, you know, and it's just those things like that. That that leads people to speculation. That does. That's something that we should not talk about because it's not in God's word. Why, why would we entertain that? False teachers entertain that. People that try to disprove the, the scriptures entertain those types of things. And we have to be very careful and mindful of those types of conversations because they do what the scripture says here in First Timothy chapter one. He says that we're not supposed to leave the doctrine nor devote them, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation. So these things that promote speculation, what is a speculation? That's like when we don't have the full truth, when we don't have a full understanding of something. Amen. And this becomes pointless. It has no. 
end that points to the edification of the believer. That's I think that's one of the ways that we can really um, identify if it's worth addressing, because if it doesn't point to the edification of the believer, then it's pointless. So we should not we should not look at those things, things that that this doesn't have anything to do with anything. You know, so we shouldn't we should not do we should not cover this this subject because we can learn of what's already here and speak that instead. But when people start speculating about things that's that doesn't edify the believer, it becomes an issue of, in a sense, some people thinking that they know more than others because they're they're deeper or what have you. Um, or they, they will say things that are offensive in that line and like they're more spiritual than you when if they are your brother in Christ and they have the same spirit, then they should humble themselves just as they expect you to humble yourself. But he says that all he said this, um, which promotes speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith, the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So what I want us to like it and I can let me just read this next verse here in verse six. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, I will tell you this. This is right here. That's a very powerful statement because sometimes people will make these absolutes. And I did a podcast on that about absolutes. They make these absolutes and confident assertions about things that they have never studied. They, they don't have an understanding of what they're really saying. And they're just saying the first thing that comes to mind and attributing it to the spirit of God. And we have to be very careful about this because this will cause other people to, to stumble and wander away. Right. It'll it'll cause people to it'll cause argument. It'll call all, all kind of different things. So we have to understand this. And you you be like, well, well, how do I know if it's me or them? Well, you got to look at it like this. You got to be true and honest with yourself. What you said is it true? Did you look at it in in all of the scripture? Did you examine what the scripture said, or are you just making a statement off a portion of a scripture? So we have to be careful. Like if we're teaching. If we're looking in the word of God, we have to be very mindful and very careful about what we say, because what we say, we're teaching. So these people, like he said, they're desiring to be teachers of the law, but without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Let's move on. Let's continue to go through this text. So now I want us to look at something here in. Um. Let's go to second Timothy two and 14, second Timothy two and 14. I'm going to start there. And this is Paul again. He says, remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. Do your best to present yourself to God as 
one approved, a workman who has not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So rightly handling it. That means, first of all, you got to study to study the scriptures. You got to study more than just what you see in that chapter or that verse. You have to study the context of the message. If you don't study in the context of the message, you're out of order. You're out of line. And you and if you haven't looked at it from all of scripture to ensure that you're properly handling it and the statements you make are transcendent in their meaning throughout the message of the gospel, you are wrong. You are out of order. As a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher, as a elder, whatever you may call yourself, if you don't take the time to get in the weeds of things and make sure what you say does not conflict with what's written throughout the scripture, then you are wrong. Let me give you an example. Like what I'm doing today, I'm showing you, first of all, I'm going to show you, I'm going to clarify whether we're supposed to debate or not. I'm showing you in scripture where it says that these are the things that we're not supposed to debate over. The speculation, the genealogies, things along those lines, because it does no good, right? It's not profitable for the body of Christ. It leads to the speculating over words and, and fables and myths. That doesn't that doesn't edify the believer. It, it causes issues. And this is some of the signs of a false teacher is they focus on things that are not important. And the things that are important, they don't look at. They don't they don't focus on those things. So when I look at this like this, I look at Romans chapter four uh, or for second Corinthians um, second Timothy. I'm sorry. I apologize about that. Second Timothy two and 14, as I was reading through that and we see this, he says that remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. What is he saying about quarreling about words? It doesn't mean that you don't say this word doesn't mean that. This is what this means. That's not what a quarrel about words mean. It means about a pointless discussion of what's being fabricated. It doesn't mean that you don't look up words and find out what words mean. That would be just totally irresponsible. We have to because this is not the English original language. We have to study the words that the way that they are. But we also have to study them in light of the message of the gospel. If it does not line up with the gospel and what's being communicated, then it is a false teaching and it must be addressed. And that's what I want us to understand. So when he's saying this quoting about words, it doesn't mean that we don't debate the Bible. It means that we need to understand what are we what are we talking about here? What is the quarrel about? Is it about the the gospel message or is it just a one of these arguments about whether whether Adam had a belly button? You know, whether, you know, um, the Leviathan spirit, whether it's in somebody, you know, that th th those things like that, that's what the enemy focuses on. That, that they, he doesn't point to the gospel, the saving grace of God, the, the soteriology, the teaching of salvation, teaching of Jesus and how he saves and seals and sanctifies by the way of the Holy Spirit, he regenerates us by his spirit and he places us in his body. They won't talk about those things, but they'll talk about the things that will lead people astray and actually shake their faith and say, you can't have faith in this because you got to do this. And they don't even see that as an issue. They think that's truth. But that's not what scripture says. Because if you think about it, if you really think about it, how does that 
motivate a person into good works. Let's continue to read this. It says, core about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So when you see people, um, when it says about irreverent babble, what are we really talking about? What are we speaking about when it comes to irreverent babble? Right? Irreverent battle. Let's look at, um, there's first Corinthians, first Timothy six and 20. It says this, Oh, Timothy guard deposit entrusted in you. God, the deposit that was entrusted in you, avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. So when people have something that's falsely called knowledge, as in somebody sitting back and saying, well, I was praying for 12 hours and the Lord told me this and they ain't opened up Nan Bible. I don't know how to spell Nan, Nan, you know, but they haven't opened up no Bible. They haven't they haven't even checked to see if 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 that that word came from the Lord. See, a lot of times when it, when it, when the scripture says to um, test the spirits to see if it be from God, don't believe every spirit. They always want to check the spirit in other people, but they never want to check it in themselves. Oh, I'm preaching right now. The first person you need to check is yourself. How do you check yourself to see if it's from God? You better get in that word because you are vulnerable, too. Everybody's susceptible. If I hear if, if I hear word, brothers and sisters, I'm gonna tell you honestly, there's a lot of times that I'm like, oh, this is good. I can preach this. This so this right here is this is good. And then I then then it'll be that spirit, that 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 correction that comes to me by way of the Holy Spirit that says, You can't say that. And then a verse that contradicts what, what I thought was good comes up and I say, I, I can't say that. No matter how good it sounds, I, I, I can't use that. I, I can't say that. I don't just say everything that's on my mind. And if, if I do, I come back and I'll be like, oh, man, Lord, I, hey, let me correct that. This is that's not right because it's not irreverent. I listen to the spirit of God. If, if I want to say if I say something and I know it's wrong, I got to I got to correct it. I have to if if I don't get that check. You know, if I go back and I find out, oh, man, I missed this. Let me go back and correct this. Let me go back and correct it. So as we see this, he said anything that contradicts. Right. As we was reading. But it says all his but avoid irreverent babble. I'm, I'm in Second Timothy two and 16, but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hophmenius and Phytidas, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. What you say, is it upsetting the faith of people? Think about it. The message that you preach, does it upset the faith of people? Does it cause people to not believe? Man, that's that's deep. That is deep. 
if you really understand the gospel and you hear a lot of the message that's being spoken today, you will find out that a lot of the message you hear is upsetting the faith of some. And that's why some people turn because they like, man, forget it. I can't do it. I can't be perfect. I can't be sinless. Because some people are not telling you the gospel message. They're not telling you what the Lord has done. In verse 19, in that same verse, that same chapter, 2 Timothy 2 and 19, it says, But God firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Yes, we do that. We depart from iniquity. Now, now we we do that. Amen. I'm not going to continue to read on in there. I want to get to what I want to talk about today. Uh, I do apologize the length of this, but I have to teach this one in its entirety. Um, but I'm just pointing at the fact that we ourselves, we're supposed to engage in the word. We're supposed to engage in the word. Now, what I want to do is I want us to go over here. I'm going to share one more verse. And then we're going to get into the actual teaching of Acts 15. And I want to show you something in in Titus three and two. It says this. I'm going to let's start at one. Let's start at one. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, debating, led astray. This, I mean, disobedient, I'm sorry, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and, and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, this is what the Lord has done, whom he poured out on us richly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, he have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is wrapped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Amen. So we see here, it said, avoid the foolish controversies. What we preach should be the gospel message. Anything that it should be to edify the body of Christ so that we can go out and be prepared for the good works. But the things that people preach today, 
just like this. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this about debating because when people say that don't debate, they're telling you don't communicate, don't seek understanding of one another. And that's not what the Lord has told us to do. He tells us to communicate. And this is what I want us to do now. I want us to go over here to Acts chapter 15. And I'm going to kind of make my way through this in a, a, a slow but progressive way. And I want to read something here. And I'm going to point out some key things that I think are very important. And we'll start at verse one, Acts chapter 15, verse one. This talks about a debate. It talks about a debate. And it says this. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Listen to what that debate is about. They had some people that came down and was teaching something that was not according to the doctrine. They were saying things that were not Biblically true, according to the doctrine that was taught, they told them that they couldn't be saved unless they get circumcised. So they added something to the gospel. So, brothers and sisters, whenever I engage in things and I see them is usually centered around the gospel message. And it's the things that we should know is that when you become a believer, and you are born again, it's done by the spirit and you're placed in the body of Christ. You receive the spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You may not be commissioned to be a minister, but you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's active. He's in you. He sealed you. He sanctified you and he continues to sanctify you every day and you continue to grow every single day. With that being said, we see this. They said that you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. So verse two. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small had had no small dissension and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. They was going to check things out. They was like, wait a minute. Why? Why is this being taught? Because this is not the gospel. We going we going over here to talk. So he didn't they didn't ignore him. Because they knew how dangerous it was for them because of the position that they were in, how how their influence could lead people to believe the wrong thing. See, this is what it means by um, too much is given, much is required. When you are when you are over people in a sense of serving people and you're preaching and teaching the word of God, if you don't give yourself to the scriptures, you can lead people astray with your ignorance away from the gospel message. And you think you're doing the will of God, but you're not. So as we look at this, that's irresponsible. So we look at this in verse three, he says, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Felicia and Samaria and describing in detail, the conversions of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declare all that God had done with them. But some believers 
who belonged to the party of the Philistine, the, the Pharisees, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, listen. Here it is. They talking about how people gotten saved and and all these different things. They come back and there are some Pharisees that are there that that came to the knowledge of 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 Christ. And now they're telling people that you better tell them they better get circumcised in. And they better keep the law of Moses. Now, this is the this is the great debate that they're having. This is the great debate. It says that the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. When they was considering the matter, what do you think was going on? And it said in verse seven, it says, after they, there had been much debate. Uh Oh, not that word. They was debating. Is that what it, it, Paul and Barnabas came there and they was debating. What were they debating over? They was debating over the gospel. Is that warranted? Yes, it is. Why? Because they was teaching a message that was leading people astray. So if I see a message that leads people astray from the grace of God, you best believe I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something every single time, because first of all, it does a disjustice or a disservice to the person that says it. And it also does a disservice to those that read it and hear it. If it's done, if it's done in public, it needs to be corrected in public. If it's done in private, then it's corrected in private. I don't correct people publicly over things that we may see in our in our church that goes on. I don't get on a podcast or broadcast and talk about what they did in the church wrong that because we have already corrected it within the house. So whatever foundation, whatever platform that the correction that the infraction was made is the same platform that it needs to be corrected. And I think that's appropriate. I think it is. Now, if we want to change that, that's that's on us. But I think it's very appropriate because that's what the Bible says. Even when it talks about prophecy in first Corinthians 14, he says that when a person prophesies, everybody else is supposed to judge that prophecy. Well, what does that mean to judge it? That means to test it. And then if it's not true, they'd be like, that's not that's not right. They don't just agree with things when they're right. They disagree with things when they're wrong, too. So let's continue. Let's continue. It says, brothers, you know that in the early days, God has made a choice among you. Oh, let me go back. I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. It says the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after they had been much debate, after there had been much debate and talking back and forth, probably very passionate, too. Peter stood up and he said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us and made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Oh, how was their hearts cleansed by faith? By what? By the spirit of God. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So here it is. 
Peter's saying, wait a minute, why are we putting this burden on them that we couldn't even do it? Why are we doing this? Verse 11. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. So we don't need to be circumcised to be to be um, saved. We don't need to be circumcised. We don't need to follow the law of Moses to be saved It's by grace. You are saved through faith. That's how we enter into the gate. Now, how we grow when we're in the yard, that's that's the process of sanctification, brothers and sisters. So many people want to point at the sins of people and try to condemn them because they have committed a sin. But you don't know that that person is being developed and growing in Christ. You don't come in and just be pure and, and know everything. Come on. There are some things that have taken place spiritually, but they have not manifested themselves physically yet. And this is why we are to not forsake the assembling of the saints when it comes to the reading of the scriptures and encouraging one another. Why are we encouraging one another? Because sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes people fall short of the glory of God and they need to be encouraged. Sometimes you may find a brother that that is caught in sin. And guess what you're supposed to do? Restore such a one. Didn't say you get them saved again. You restore them. So as we continue to go through this and it says, and every believer has the spirit verse 12 and all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Now he goes back to the Old Testament and he's quoting this, James. And he says, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is this is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled from blood. Now he gives them specifics. He says, this is what we need to do. We need to not, we need to tell them not um, to not go back and try to put, impose these other things on there. We need to reduce it to what's important. Let's look at what's important because see these things that, that we're listing to abstain from the things that are polluted with idols because that presented a different perspective to the surrounding area for those that had, had not received Jesus Christ and sexual immorality and from those things that are strangled um, and from blood. 
So when we see that, we understand that this is the reason he's saying it is in verse 21. He says, for from ancient generations, Moses had in every city those who proclaimed him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogue. So these things were also the things that the Gentiles were all, the, the, the Jews in that area have already been accustomed to and teaching. So there couldn't be any variation in what was being taught. And they wanted to make sure that even though they had liberty, but it wasn't going to disturb the unity of the believers. Now here it is. They get all of this from a debate that they came together. They discussed it. They both sides communicated other people interjected. And now they have come to a conclusion of a debate. So don't tell me that debate is not necessary and warranted in the body of Christ. It all depends on what the debate is for. You may see debates on TV where you have this person against this person, but it's, it's not to what extent. So the purpose of the debate here was that they wouldn't place any other burden on the Gentiles that was not necessary. So let's look over here. And continue. I'm going to read through this entire chapter because this is the stuff that needs to be done in churches. But I'm going to do it here. This is what we do in our church. We'll read through the whole chapter. I'm not just trying to give you a feel good message. I want you to know good. I want you to know the goodness of God in the context of what's being said. This is so powerful and so encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but amen. So Acts 15 and 22 then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barabbas and um, Silas le leading men among the brothers with the following letter. Now I'm going to tell you what this letter says, but you see when they came together and they started talking about it, how they all came together. It says even the apostles and the elders and the whole church and they, they to choose men from among them. And they sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. As we see this, we're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. So that means they came to a conclusion. They came to a consensus. They agreed upon something. And then they wrote this letter together and they told them to take this letter back to that place where they were out there to Antioch, where there was false teachings that was being that was being presented. Listen to this letter. Let's listen to the letter. Amen. The brothers, this is what the letter says. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, in Syria, in Sicilia. Greetings. So he greets them. He says, since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction, it seemed good to us having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved uh, Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas. Who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. So here it is. This is this letter that has been sent. They're taking this letter to them and they, they acknowledge the fact that there were some people that were not sent, but went 
but didn't have the message. So now they're sending people and approving them and saying this is what's true. And listen to them because they serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that these people here are the ones you need to listen to. He says, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit. And to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. He says, look, this is what we we agreed upon together. So we talk about conflict resolution here. We talk about coming to a consensus. We talk about and it's not necessarily compromise. It's called my clarification so we can preach the same things. But see, today. People don't want to preach the same things. They think that they have the truth all by themselves and then they leave what the scripture says and they don't even try to seek it. They go by what a voice they think says, but they never test the voice with the scriptures. If you would just ask yourself the question, Lord, is this true? He will show you in his text where you're either it is or is not. And if it's not consistent, then it's not true. Then it's not true. If someone tells you that you have to be baptized before baptized in water before you receive the spirit, I can tell you that's not true. You know why? Because it didn't happen to Cornelius. All it takes is one instance to say that's not what happened all the time. If it's not what happened all the time, then I can't say that's what needs to happen every time. That's irresponsible. Now I'm speaking about something that I have no idea. So he says that we want to lay no greater burden on these requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So they encouraged them and told them, he said, hey, this is what's supposed to happen. So let's all come to this consensus. Let's be of one mind and one accord and let's go do good for the Lord. But this is the only thing that we tell y'all not to do, because this is going to paint a different picture of what the gospel is, because we don't do that. Believers don't do these things. So let's just condense it down to these things. And this takes this took some input from everybody. It wasn't just it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas and Peter. It was the elders. It was it was James. Everybody was involved in this. So it took input from many people. Many people in the room talking. And the one thing that doesn't say, it doesn't say how long this had taken. I wish we knew how long this debate was because it's very passionate. It's something that needs to be talked about. And everything that's written here is not everything that was said. So I'm sure there was other things that was interjecting, other people that were speaking. But this is a, this is a summation of what had taken place here in Jerusalem because there was people going out teaching something that was wrong. So when they were sent off, this is verse 30. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of the encouragement. Amen. See, that's what happens when we debate, when we come together and we talk about something and then we rejoice at the end. Guess what it does? It edifies. So if we're debating something and it leads to the edification of the believers, it's most certainly warranted. And it took a debate for them to get to this point. They had to talk. They had to listen. They had to receive. They had to submit. They had to admit. They had to re They had to retract. They had to say, you know what? Let me rethink this because this doesn't make any sense. That's what we need to do. So Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with Many words, 
And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So I want to stop there and I just want to say, praise God. Praise the Lord. Oh, my. That's that. Oh, that story, man, that is just really encouraging to hear and see when brothers and sisters in Christ come together and they really acknowledge the truth and they they talk about the word of God. And it leads to us being edified and encouraged in the truth of the gospel. There was nowhere in there where there was a threat of somebody losing the salvation. But it was and that's the thing. So like there was no threat of of losing anything, but it was a promise of gaining everything. So I'm going to go ahead and and I know I, I talked a little bit long today, but it was warranted. I, I needed to kind of read through that and share that with you today. But I pray that you listen to this. I pray that you share it with others. But when you talk about debating, be mindful of what we're talking about. The Bible does not exclusively reject debating. It needs to be done at times. And it's been done more than this is just the most simplest, easiest form that I can show you an example, but there's many other small debates that go back and forth with, with the scripture and the text. Sometimes they end good and sometimes bad, especially with the Pharisees. So when we start seeing those things, we have, a debate is warranted, is necessary, is needed, especially when it contradicts the gospel message. If you say nothing, you're not a prophet of God in a sense of sharing and proclaiming the gospel message. If you allow the, the falsehoods and a false doctrine and a false teaching to go forward in your presence and with your knowledge and with your eyes on it, you allow it to continue to go, then you're just as much as fault as the person that says it. So if they want to put it out there publicly, you correct it publicly. We are commissioned to be defenders of the faith. So to defend the faith means to defend the message of the gospel. We're not defending Jesus. We're defending the integrity of the message and the simplicity of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus himself died for all, bringing salvation to all men in hopes that we may repent and become born again, placing our faith in Jesus and be born again by the spirit. Amen. You can't be born again without the spirit. You got to be born again with the spirit. And it's done by God from through faith. So with that said, God bless you. Have a great and wonderful day. And please, please share this. Um, meditate on it. Go back and read it. I love to interact with you guys. If you want to send um, a message, the link is on the, on the site. Um, but I, I really would love to interact with people. But this word here, I'm telling you. Yes. We are to debate. Just don't quarrel over myths and speculations, things that lead you away from the gospel. But if it's something that goes to, to the gospel and it's the gospel message itself, you better be prepared to defend the faith. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and a wonderful afternoon, day, morning or night. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. 
Remember to pursue peace in a divided world. We the church must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.